0: Business News 24 hours a day
1: at Bloomberg.com,
0: the Radio Plus mobile
1: app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business
0: Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks advance the most in more than two months as a surge in home sales fueled speculation the economy can withstand higher interest rates amid rising bets the federal reserve will tighten policy this summer the s&p up 28 points to 2076 a gain of 1.4 percent nasdaq up 95 points a gain of 2 percent the dow jones industrial average higher by 213 points up 1.2 percent tenure down 730 seconds yield there 1.86 percent gold down 2390 the ounce To 122760, a drop there of 1.9%, crude of 1.5% to $48.79 a barrel. I'm Charlie Pellett, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. The Sun and the Moon and the Rolling Stones. What can we learn from a new book by author Richard Cohen? called The Sun and the Moon and the Rolling Stones. What can we learn about business for everyone? Here to tell us more is the author, Rich Cohen. Thanks for being with us, Rich.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Um,
0: you got to tell people a little bit of your background so that they understand how you came to be so informed about the writing of this book. You are not just some guy who is interested in the Stones and wanted to write a book that combined their history plus your own journey. Tell us about your relationship.
1: Well, I was, uh, you know, a Stones fanatic as a kid, and, um, usually that was the music of my big brother who locked me out of his room, so it had a great value to me because I wasn't allowed near it. And, um, right after college, I got a job at Rolling Stone Magazine, and I got this crazy assignment to go up to Toronto where the Rolling Stones were putting together a show and just basically hang out with them for two weeks and watch them assemble this show where they were in an old uh, elementary school gym school at night. You always wonder what's happening. The Rolling Stones are putting together their show and just sort of watch just me and them as they put together this co- this show. And then I went on the road with them and I wrote a bunch of stories about them. And then after that finished, I then got hired by Mick Jagger and Martin Scorsese to work on a movie about the rock and roll business, which eventually became vinyl uh, on HBO. And um, so I had this long, you know, I, we worked on that screenplay for like six or seven years. And I had this realization about a year ago driving around in the car with my son listening to his terrible music that rock and roll which had been so important to us kind of died in the mid-90s and the rolling stones were the great band that survived and if you could figure out the secret of them you could figure out the secret of everything well
0: which i just think it's interesting today you know it's uh, bob dylan's 75th birthday and of course um mick jagger keith richards not far behind at age 72 uh, the, one of the things that's interesting to me is what a phenomenally successful business the Stones have been. Of course, a lot of bands go on tours now because that's how you really make the money, not selling any kind of vinyl or anything like that. Mick Jagger, of course, attended the London School of Economics for a while. Tell us about that part of the Stones story.
1: Well, actually, the Rolling Stones were, you know, when I even covered them, they're kind of, one way to think of them is as a giant corporation that rolls around the world and makes billions and billions of dollars and the story really comes out of trauma which is early on the stones worshipped these sort of um african-american blues musicians like muddy waters and the story with them is they always got ripped off by the record company and the stones of course wanting to love every part of their experience got ripped off by their record company specifically by their manager alan klein and it really affected their music um the alan klein also represented the beatles and a lot of other people and as a result of what he did, the Rolling Stones were broke in the early 70s, and they didn't even own the rights to their own songs, and they still don't. So a lot of the great Rolling Stone songs they don't own the rights to, it was sort of taken from them by Alan Klein. And they, had, they were living in England where the marginal tax rate was 90%, I think. And they realized that they could never pay that tax back and stay in the country, so they went into tax exile They went into this old mansion in the south of France, and they made this record, Exile on Main Street, which is like the greatest rock and roll record ever made, and Exile because they were these tax exiles. And at that point, Mick Jagger, I think because he had gone to London School of Economics, and he was very smart, was embarrassed by what had happened, that he'd been taken, and he started to really assert control and turned it into this kind of business that's a model for all rock and roll on the road. And that really is where they got their savvy was through terrible experience.
0: Rich, let's just focus on some of the lessons that people in business may be able to learn from the book. I want you to talk about cutting the anchor before it drags you down.
1: Right. Okay, so the Rolling Stones were actually founded by this guy, Brian Jones. He founded the band. He had the vision. He was the best music musician in the band. But at a certain point, he became a problem. He became a drug addict. He became an LSD problem. And he actually started getting busted to the point where he couldn't go on tour. And that's how a lot of bands ended. You know, some member of theirs ended up so he couldn't leave the country, couldn't play. What Mick Jagger and Keith Richards did is they actually, after a year of trying to get it right, went and fired their founder. And I always thought it was a situation where they had to cut the anchor to set themselves free. And it's, I always thought that the really sentimental people, the really kind people, don't make it. One lessons of the Stones has always been be ruthless. I mean, if you want to survive, you have to be ruthless about your decision-making. And they were the most, most ruthless about getting away from people that were hurting them or not helping them.
0: You also talk about never stop reinventing.
1: Well, that's to me fascinating, which is their first manager who really figured out what they were, which was kind of the anti-Beatles, said to them, every five years you have to reinvent yourself if you're a, if you're a band. Because five years is how long it takes a kid to go from being a sophomore in high school to in the workforce, and now you have a new sophomore in high school who wants his own music. So you have to become that new music for that new kid. You have to kind of change to stay the same. And that's what the Stones were better at than anybody, even the Beatles, is constantly reinventing themselves. So in every new era, they're a new band, which is why they can still go on the road now, because for so many different generations, they were the band of high school.
0: Okay, it's a tough question. Your favorite Stones song or maybe album?
1: I think my favorite Stones song is um, Wild Horses. Um, and I think that's just because there's, a, there's actually footage of them having making it in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, mm-hmm. and then listening to it. And the look on their faces when they're listening to their own music is this look of, we had this sound in our head. And somehow we got that sound into a record, and it was a look of complete artistic contentment and success.
0: Rich Cohen, thank you so much for joining us. I think mine might be Time is on My Side, but I don't know. There's so many great songs from the Stones. The Sun and the Moon and the Rolling Stones by Rich Cohen. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining me, Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox, right here on Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, a discussion about antitrust lawsuits against 16 of the world's largest banks. Could it overwhelm the banks by requiring them to pay triple damages? We'll find out.